With the word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for this evening. Thank you for being here. And God, I, I look back on all the things that you've, you've done for me, Lord. And tucked into my memories are, are your works. And, and they're works of love, God. They're, I, I see your love upon me, the, your goodness, Lord, upon us. And it's because you are good, Lord. And God, remind us tonight that you are a shepherd king, Lord. You're watching over us. And God, help us to just trust in you. Inspire us, God, to, to move forward in our lives. To move forward in trusting you more. So I pray for your Holy Spirit to touch this time. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Hey, when I was um, growing up, uh, my sister, I have one only sister, no brothers, one younger sister, and she was always smarter than me. Matter of fact, she was always in that gifted kind of classes. Not me. I was just the average person, maybe B's usually, you know. If I work really hard, maybe I get some A's, but just kind of average. I certainly was not what you call a child prodigy. Now, I was reading about those some amazing children, and and I read about this guy, uh, this boy, actually. His name was Taylor Raymond Wilson. He was born in 1994. And he came into being interested in nuclear physics when he was young. And the crazy thing was when he was 10 years old, he built a nuclear bomb. <laughs> when he was 14, he made a fuser, which is a device designed to make <coughs> nuclear fission, fusion. And he actually became the youngest person ever in the world to make something like that. Can you imagine? Son, what are you doing right now? What are you doing back there? Dad, come here. I made a nuclear bomb. He's like, honey, you better take care of this or something like that, right? I mean, amazing child here. I read about someone else, Michael Kevin Kearney. He was actually born in 1984 in Honolulu. And grew, uh, was Hapa, Japanese Hapa. And he grew up in <coughs> California after that. And he had an IQ of almost 200. And just to give you reference, Einstein, right? Albert Einstein, he had an IQ of 160. So this guy was up, up around 200. Well, <coughs> what they say, at four months, year old, a baby at four months, his, he spoke his first words to his parents. And he told his, he asked his parents, what's for dinner? Four months. At six months, this baby told the doctor, I have a left ear infection. Crazy, huh? He learned to read by 10 months. By uh, six years old, he finished high school. He had his associate's degree when he was eight years old. When he was 10 years old, he had his Bachelor of Arts degree. 14, he earned a master's degree in chemistry. At 18, he earned another master's degree in computer science. And at 22, he had his doctorate in chemistry. Amazing children. Amazing child here. Well, today, as we continue in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Luke, we see how amazing Jesus was as a child. We're going to look into his early years here. But it's not so much that he had this smart IQ, but it comes out that he truly is the Son of God. And and you know what? That's what really should matter to us even tonight. That we see Jesus as the Son of God, our Savior who came to this earth to die on a cross for us and rise again, the Son of God here. 
it, it changes everything, really, if you really grasp the meaning behind that. So that's why we're going to see here tonight in how Jesus is this amazing child. So the title of our message is just that, Jesus, the amazing child. We're going to be studying Luke chapter 2 from verse 39 through verse 52. As I mentioned, we're going to finish off this chapter finally. And our outline is this. We're going to see three things in our passage. Number one, when Jesus grows up. Number two, when Jesus goes missing. And number three, when Jesus gets older. So we're going to follow his life a little bit here. So let's begin, number one, when Jesus grows up. When Jesus grows up. Now, in this section, we're going to cover the first two verses for tonight. Verse 39 and verse 40, if you're taking notes. So let's take a look at that right now. It reads here, Luke 2, verse 39 and 40. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And we'll stop right there. Now, we begin here where Luke is writing, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. Now, who are they? They is Joseph and Mary, this family with the baby Jesus. If you remember last time, we saw how Jesus was properly circumcised at the eighth day, eight days year, you know, old as a baby. And then uh, 33 days later, Mary and Joseph went to the temple of Jerusalem where she was ceremonially made clean because she was unclean because of giving birth. So they're just following the word here, following the Jewish laws here. And then at the same time, if you remember, Jesus was presented to the Lord as the firstborn child. And they, were given, uh, they brought the proper sacrifices. So they did everything uh, they performed everything according to the law of the Lord. And, and if you think about that, this is the kind of people that Joseph and Mary are. This is their character. I mean, they're, they're into God. They, they want to follow the Lord and honor Him by obeying God and in His Word. So this is them. So after all of this now, they return into Galilee. Remember, that's the northern part of Israel. And there... They went to their hometown of Nazareth, and that's where Jesus basically grew up. That's where he grew up there, Nazareth. That's why we have that uh, every Easter they play that movie, yeah, that series of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, because he was from that town. This is where he grew up. So, and then it says there in Nazareth, as, as he grew, now we're going from baby time, and he's growing up. It says in verse 40, and the child grew. And really what that means is he grew up. He went from baby to a toddler, and we're going to see, we're going to come to him being a boy at 12 years old. So he grew up just like any other human being or any other boy would grow up. And here's this Jewish boy growing up. And so this, the child, Jesus, grew and became strong. Now when it talks about he became strong, it's really not so much physically strong. Strength, certainly he grew up normal and grew up in a, in a great way. But it's talking about how he was strong spiritually, how he was strong morally. It's really talking about this boy in character, you know, as, as a character, as a person. He, he, was a, he was a good guy. He was a good Jewish a godly boy there, growing up moral and all of that. And he was filled with wisdom. And when we see the word wisdom here, we're talking about the knowledge of God and, and the word being applied to your life. That's what wisdom really is, the definition is. But it's, it's really talking about his intellect, 
his mind. So he had wisdom too on top of that. And then at the end of verse 40, and the favor of God was upon him. And what favor, there's some translation says the grace of God. But I think really more true to the def- the Greek word. It means favor. Like, like God was smiling smiling upon this boy. And, and in other words, we would say, well, there's something special about that boy, right? God's with that kid. And, and that's the idea with Jesus in this way. So we see Joseph and Mary, Jesus, they return to Nazareth here. Jesus grows up from a baby to a boy. And everyone could see that there's something special about Jesus. And they could see that in his strong spiritual character that he has a heart for God. God is in, in his heart. Now, let me, let me share something with you here. When it says, and the favor of God was upon him here in verse 40. Now, many people have taken that word favor and kind of ran with it. You know, this idea, oh, here's Jesus as a boy early on. And God was with him there. And he was special. And they, they began to, to like work out these things that Jesus did these things, being, you know, Jesus, right, as a kid. For example, they speculate, and, and there's stories, there's ancient stories, and even a few years back, someone dug up some ancient documents talking about Jesus in the early years as a boy, right? But there's these things that have come out, like when, when Jesus was a baby in the manger, he could talk already, you know, that, those kinds of things. Or there's stories like Jesus made a clay bird, and then he spoke to it, and it became alive. Or he was a boy when a, a, a man had been turned into a donkey and Jesus turned him back into a man because this man was cursed and he turned into this donkey. I don't know about that. To me, it sounds like Pinocchio to me or something. You know, Maybe that's where they got it from. There, there's some other stories that, that tend to make Jesus not of character of what even what we're studying here. And that is, there's another story that some kid pushed him when he was a boy. Yeah, you know, kids, yeah, they get into it and he pushed him. So Jesus just spoke and killed him like he died right there. And then when the parents of this kid that died went to talk to uh, his parents, Joseph and Mary, then, then Jesus made those parents blind. Crazy stories like that, but it's out of character. Right? It's, it's not true at all. If you hear any of these things, if you hear stories or you see on the news, oh, these documents came up, some lost scriptures, you know, kind of thing. It's not true, right? We, we know from John chapter 2, which is when Jesus turned the water into wine, and verse 11 tells us that that was the first of signs. That was the first of God, Jesus working these miracles, John chapter 2, 11. So we know from John chapter 2 that none of these things have had happened at all. They're just speculation. People just taking, well, the favor of God, he's special. But no, he was, he was a boy in every other way. If anything, he, you could see he had a heart for God. I like what John Trapp says, where the scripture has no tongue, we must have no ears. Isn't that good? If the Bible doesn't say it, then don't believe it, right? We stick to what the Word of God says. So, so here's what's, what Luke is bringing out here. Luke is saying in these two verses, like any other little boy, Jesus grew and showed a special heart for God. Like any other little boy, Jesus grew and showed this special heart for God. That, that's what made him special. He, 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 he had a heart for God. 
You know, he was strong, moral. He he was a good Jewish boy there, and even more so, he was a Jewish boy who loved his 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 God. I always get so touched, you know. Sometimes here on Wednesday night, or now Sundays we have family services. But you know, when when remember even before this, when when the keiki would sit in the back before they went into the keiki room over here, and they would just sing worship with us. We would all sing together, and you could hear those little voices, yeah? It was always so touching to me, and, and, and it just kind of inspired me even more to hear these, these keiki even singing louder sometimes than us adults, right? I remember when Justin was small, I don't know, how old was he? Maybe like six or seven when he memorized Luke chapter 2. I, 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 I'm, it was for school, I think it was the Christmas play, and all the kids had to memorize, like from verse 7, what, what we studied earlier, from verse 1, the Christmas story, from verse 1 to maybe 7 or 14 there, but he had it all memorized, and he could just recite it. I was like, oh, it, you know, it just touches your heart, you know, when you see the little keiki, the kids, you know, doing this, way, or singing to God, or quoting scripture and all that. So you see the capacity for little keiki to know God, to love God, to have a heart for God. And so that's like Jesus here. Like any other little boy, Jesus grew and showed a special heart for God. And this is Jesus. Little baby, growing up, toddler, into little boy. And now we're going to see he's going to be 12 years old. But he's a boy. But we see something special, his heart for the Lord. Now, have you ever wondered this? you ever wondered, why did Jesus... Why did he come down like as a baby? I mean, have you wondered that? Have you ever thought like, geez, why didn't he just come down as a grown-up man, right? Come into this world, do his ministry for three years, and then die on the cross. You ever wondered that? I mean, why go from the little baby and grow all the way up, you know, to be a man? He could have just done his ministry, still died on the cross for our sins and atoned for our sins. But he came as a little boy and he grew up, right? Uh, we believe that around 30 years of age, he started into his ministry. And three years later, he died on the cross. So if it was around 30 or so, 30, 31, 32, he started his ministry. Then he, he, he died on the cross when he was like 33 to 36, around there. We don't know exactly. But he could have just come as a full-grown man. But he came in as a baby and grew up from a baby to a toddler to a little boy and all of that. You ever wonder, what, why from all the way? You know why? Because now he knows what it's like to grow up and live in a fallen world. That's what I believe. I believe he knows that now. I mean, he faced all the troubles and trials as any kid would. Yeah? As, as a teenager would, a, a junior higher would, and we're going to see that. He, he probably got pushed around. I don't think he, he killed anybody with his powers, you know. But he got probably pushed around, teased like you know, any one of us have. He probably felt that hurt, that pain. He, he had frustration, right, that, that he, could, he started to feel. He was tempted to do wrong. He was tempted to hold that anger. He was tempted to be bitter, but we know he was perfect and he didn't do any of that. Think about all that you went through growing up here in your life on this earth. Think about those things. Think about the things you went through. You know what? I believe Jesus went through that too. So why did Jesus want to experience all of that? Well, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4. And I want you to turn over there. Hebrews chapter 4. 
And look at verse 15 and 16 here. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We know this verse. We've studied Hebrews, right? And we came across this, and I talked about how Jesus knows. He's been tempted. He went through all the things, all the trials, all the suffering, the pain. He knows what it's like because he lived this life here on the earth. And he grew up from baby time all the way. So that means he experienced those things as a kid, as a junior higher, as a teenager, all the stuff that we've struggled with. And you know why he did that? So he can, it says here in verse 15, he, he can sympathize with all that we have been through. He understands and he's been through everything in every respect. Or the King James says, says all points, or the NLT says, in the same things, the NLT says. The same things, you guys, that we all commonly go through. He went through that. And he understands that. And because he sympathizes, because he understands, look at verse 16, chapter 4, Hebrews. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he understands that. He understands us now. He understands how we're feeling. And so we could run to him. And we can know that God isn't far away, like doesn't really, you know, know what we're feeling. He knows it. And so he can help us and he knows how to help us because he's been through it too. So you guys understand. See, see, Jesus, he, he, like any other little boy, he grew. He showed, you know, his, his, his special, he had a special heart for God. And he went through everything that we've gone through but with this heart with God, and, and He knows how to get through. So go to Him. Whatever you're going through, understand that. Go to Him. Jesus understands. All right, let's go to number two. When Jesus goes missing now. When Jesus goes missing. We've seen when Jesus grows up, this amazing child. Now we're going to go to number two, when Jesus goes missing. And this, this is the, the well-known story here. Back, back to Luke chapter 2. Here in verse, we're going to be covering verse 41 through 50 here in this section. But first of all, let's take a look at the 41 through 45. It says here, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But, verse 44, supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. So you see, this is the incident when Jesus goes missing now. So what happened was, now verse 41 tells us that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. So, Again, these good godly parents, they honor the Lord, so they do what every good Jew does, and they go to the feast of Passover. Remember, Passover is the a, is a, a, a observance of, of when uh, Exodus chapter 12, when the death angel passed over the Jews who put the sacrificed lamb's blood on the door 
right, on the door jam. And that was how and when uh, that was instituted and when God delivered Israel out of Egypt, out of the bondage of Egypt. So since then, God told them to celebrate this, to memorialize this, and they do this every year. And so the parents, they go to Jerusalem and they do that. They, every year, they celebrate this feast of Passover. Now, Passover is actually one day. But seven days after that, it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But the whole holiday, you can call it, is eight days long. So here they go, whole family trip. Everyone goes there, eight days. They're honoring God, taking time off to do that. So verse 41, that's what they do every year. Well, when Jesus was 12 years old, verse 42, they, they also went. According to custom, they're there, and here's the incident. Now, Jesus is 12 now. We're at this age, 12 years old. And when the feast ended, it said in verse 43, uh, they began going back home, back to Nazareth. Now, there's probably about, uh, about 70 uh, miles there. And they're traveling back now. Um, and they didn't know, but Jesus has stayed behind in Jerusalem. So they're all leaving. They're going, and Jesus is back, back in Jerusalem. The parents didn't know it. But supposing him to be in a group, that they went a day's journey. So for a, a day they travel, it probably takes about a week, five days a week to travel. So it's been one day they're traveling. They're traveling in this group. And what that means is normally back then they would travel with all their relatives and family or a group of people because it was more safe. You know, they're protected from robbers and, you know, people trying to get at them when you're traveling alone. So it was more safer to travel in a group. So they're traveling in a group. And normally... Uh, back then, the women and children would be up front, and the men, all the men, would be in the back. I don't understand that you would think the guys would be up front were the protectors, but I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> you can think what you want with that. So anyway, the women and children are up front, and then the, the guys are in the group in the back. So, so they're in one group, but, but men, women and children are up front. Now, now, supposing Jesus was in the group, they thought, you know, that Jesus is somewhere in this group. Uh, and after a day's journey, they start to, to look for him, and he's not around at all. So then they turn around, Joseph and Mary, and go back to Jerusalem to go find him. Now, Joseph and Mary unknowingly lost track of Jesus. This is when Jesus goes missing. And can you imagine the conversation between Joseph and Mary when they realize Jesus was gone, right? And they're like traveling in, in different groups. Maybe they had stopped after a day and, they're, you know, they're camping out. And, and, you know, Joseph and Mary come up to each other. And can you imagine a conversation? You know, like Mary's like, hey, Joseph, oh, I missed you. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, we're doing good hanging out with the guys over there. And probably Mary's like, so how's Jesus? And, and, and Joseph's like, Jesus? Wait, I thought Jesus was with you. Now understand, 12 years old, he's in this transition now. When a Jewish boy reached 13, he is considered a man now. So he's right in this transition from 11, 12 to 13, up to 13. He's in a transition where he's really being taught you. You're considered a man. You're considered an adult at 13, bar mitzvah, right? You guys heard of that, the Jews celebrate. So here's Jesus. He's 12. He's in transition. So he can travel with the women and the kids, or he could travel with the men. He could be in either group, right? So here's Joseph and Mary. Wait, I thought he was with you. No, I... 
I thought he was with you, right? And I'm making a conversation nice, but maybe it wasn't that nice. I mean, one time we lost Janae in a store, and my conversation wasn't that nice toward my wife. But we found her. She, she like, screamed, and, oh, there she is, you know. It was one of those things. I thought she was with you. or No, I thought she was with you. So you can tell, you know, this, this whole mix-up, you know, that was going on. Perhaps maybe the conversation, whatever it was good or bad, probably turned into fear when they realized. Can you imagine this? Maybe uh, Mary's telling Joseph, we lost the Messiah, right? How can we do that? The Messiah, we're supposed to be responsible parents here. So you can feel the panic, yeah? Oh, oh, the God, you know, we're bad parents now and all of that. Yeah, so you can imagine the feeling, and so they go straight back to Jerusalem. So look at verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Verse 47, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answer. So after three days means that that's how long Jesus had been missing. They went one day traveling away from Jerusalem when they finally realized he was gone. Then it was, took another day to go back to Jerusalem. That's two days. And they took another day that they're looking all around Jerusalem looking for Jesus until they finally found them there at the temple. So it's three days Jesus, this 12-year-old boy, was missing. So you can imagine their heart was beating strong. So they found him in the temple. And, and, and they were just um, like, like going, whoa. They saw him sitting among the teachers. And what that means is in the temple complex, in the outer areas is this like covered porches, this lanai area. And many times, and, and this is what they usually do, is these teachers, and they've come in for Passover, they're, they're noted teachers, they're famous guys coming in, these rabbis and priests and stuff, and they come in, they, they would sit down and, and students would sit around them or people would sit around them and they would just teach. They'd start teaching the Bible and, and discipling and start talking about the Bible. So there's Jesus in that place, in where a lot of these students and where these rabbis and teachers were, and he's listening to them. And he, he's asking them questions. And, and all who heard him, even the students around them and the teachers and all, they were amazed at his understanding, at his comprehension of the scriptures and the word. And, and I like, and his answers, right? I'm sure he was asking them questions and they're giving answers and he was answering their answers probably too, right? On theology or, you know, doctrine, on, on oh, you know, uh, Maybe they talked about like, well, you know, God made this, you know, covenant with Adam and Eve, but then they broke it. But then later he was with Noah and he, and he made this, you know, covenant. And then, you know, Moses and the law. And he maybe talked about soteriology and eschatology and all these, you know, things, you know, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe there's questions like, can God make a rock so big he can't lift? No. Just joking. That's a dumb question anyway, right? But can you imagine? So here's Jesus. So they're astonished. A 12-year-old boy talking story like this. Yeah, amazing. So then verse 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. They were like in awe that here's Jesus sitting there. Here's Jesus sitting with the teachers there. Here's Jesus. You know what? Jesus isn't worried. Jesus isn't like, Mom, Dad, where are you? Where, you left me. He's, he's just 
at peace, calm, talking story with these guys. And so then the mother, verse 48, his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us though thus or us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And I love that, right? Isn't that a typical parent? Look what you've done to me. Where were you? You know, at, right? At first you go, oh, there you are. You cry. And the next question is, how can you do this to me? Right? You know, because they've been going crazy. They're in great distress trying to find Jesus who's been lost. And so they're going, Jesus, what's going on here? Right? And then look at verse 49. And this is really key. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Now, isn't that an interesting question? And Remember, they took a whole day looking for Jesus. And so Jesus is kind of like, why are you running around Jerusalem trying to find me? You should know where I am. And that's what he says here. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And the, the parents in verse 50, and they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. So here is is, is um, Jesus answering the mother saying, why, why did you go run around? You, you should know where I am. Did you not know I must be in my father's house? That this is where I belong. This is where I'm home at. Now this is very interesting. That, that at that moment, if you notice, verse 50, uh, 50 that I mentioned, Joseph and Mary, they're like, whoa. They didn't fully understand. What, 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 what do you mean? Father? I mean, they, didn't, they weren't receiving all. They, now understand, right? We know they knew this, this was the, the baby, the Messiah, right? This was the one to hope for, and we saw all of that in our last studies. But at this point in their life, and Jesus is 12 now, normal boy, Kind of special. This was like taking them back. What was that? Well, it was when Jesus goes missing that Joseph and Mary heard this amazing statement. And this is the statement. I must be in my father's house. You know what Jesus is saying? I'm the son of God. The heavenly father is my father. B. Barton said this about the parents and Jesus. They didn't realize that he was making a distinction between the earthly father and his heavenly father. So let that sink in for a moment. Jesus is starting to make this distinction. Who's, who's his father, stepfather, we should say? Joseph, right? But now, this is a point in time. Jesus 12 years old, and now he's making this distinction that I'm the Son of God. The Heavenly Father is my Father. I, why are you looking for me? Hey, I'm, I, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I must be in my Father's house. Understand this. A Jewish boy, he's 12 years old, 13, he's going to become a man, right? When he becomes a man, when, when this boy turns 13, is considered a man at 13, yeah? For us, it's more like 18 or 21, right? But back then, in the Jewish culture, it's 13. That's manhood. And when a Jewish boy becomes a man, a manhood, he becomes the son. No longer the boy. He's the son now. He's the son of the father. He's like equal to his father. So this is where, where 
what Jesus is saying. I am God the Son. The Heavenly Father, He's my Father. I'm equal to the Father as an adult now. And what he's talking about, he's, t- he's trying to help the parents transition here as he's getting ready to become 13 and traditionally in the Jewish way where the boy becomes a man, where the boy becomes the son, where the boy becomes equal to the father. And this is what Jesus is saying. Another interesting thing too is about this age is the age of accountability. Around this time is where the boy comes out of accountability from the parents and become accountable to God himself, where they become this adult, where they become this man. And at that age of accountability, they are then passing into, transitioning into, at age 12, into where they are under the authority of God. Out from the authority of, of, of the earthly, uh, jo- right, Joseph and Mary, we could say, or the earthly parents, to the authority of God. And all the Jewish boys would do that. So you can see, Jesus is in this transition now, being 12 years old. He's going from Joseph and Mary's house to my father's house. So this is a huge statement, you guys. Jesus is transitioning from submitting wholly to his earthly parents to submitting to the heavenly father god and you you can you can see how huge this must have been i'm transitioning here parents that's what he's saying i'm 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 going into this phase and in our jewish as i become a a, a, a man now i'm transitioning here and so why are you surprised that as a Jewish boy transitions under the authority of God, becomes a man, right? Out of the authority of the parents, become age accountability, that you wouldn't have thought to find me in my father's house. So a transition is happening here, and he's, he's showing Joseph and Mary really to help them transition also. So they're like, whoa, wait, wait, whoa. This, this is bigger than what we normally do. So with this, understand, Luke the writer showing the reader here, the transition was unlike any 12-year-old when Jesus declared who he really was, the Son of God. That's what's going on. The transition was unlike any uh, 12-year-old when Jesus declared who he re- really was, the Son of God. You know, I, I never understood what my parents went through until I went through it as a parent. And maybe you parents understand that, what I'm saying. There's a transition that happens throughout parenting as our kids grow older, right? You know, when they're, when they're small, babies, and elementary school age, right? I mean, we're driving the car, they're in the car, sorry. Hey, we're, we're in control, yeah? You, you, where we go, you go. You're with us. We're going to do this together, right? And we're going. And then suddenly they hit junior high age, right? They're like 12. And suddenly they're telling you, I mean, you're still driving them, but they're telling you, drop me off here. What? Drop me off here. Please. Go, what, what, what? We're like a mile away from school. Yeah, but I don't want anyone to, to see me with you. <laughs> a transition starts to happen, right? Then they're teenagers, right? They get their own car. 
They're controlling their own car now. You're not controlling them anymore, right? They're beginning to live life on their own and all that, right? There's a transition. They're making decisions on their own. And then, oh, they go to college, right? They're young adults. They're not even around them. You don't even know where they're taking the car anymore, right? Maybe when they're a teenager, you're following the phone app. No, but, right? And then they grow. There's another transition. And finally, right, they become your adult children. And, and they're adults like you now. And, and I'll tell you, that's what my wife are transitioning into now. And, it, it, and it's hard, you know. I still look at my kids as my babies. And I understand my mom. <laughs> still worried. Ricky, are you getting enough to eat? Are you dressing warmly? You know, Mom, look, I'm 58 years old. I'm okay. I can take care of myself. I know. But, right? So, hey, if, if you're young here, understand. I hope you can see why we parents can get crazy sometimes. So be patient because sometimes, you know, we parents, we don't make it through. We, we, we take time to transition. So can you imagine Joseph and Mary here? Jesus is coming of this age now. He's transitioning here. And he's, he's getting them ready for what's going to be happening. You know, well, How he's coming, coming under the authority of God and how the Jewish laws and traditions go. He's reminding them, hey, the, I'm the son of God. The heavenly father is my father. And so you see this transition was unlike any 12-year-old uh, uh, any 12-year-old when Jesus declared who he really was, the Son of God. You know, I think that all of us go through transitions in how we see God. Some people still see Jesus as that baby in the manger. Yeah. Oh, once a year, there's Jesus. Oh yeah, they know the story. He came to this, came to earth. The angels came. Ah, he died on the cross. But it has no meaning. He's just a baby in the manger. Some people, Jesus. Oh yeah, uh, Christmas and Easter. They add Easter, and he's the resurrected one, and that's about it. Some people only see God as oh, someone I go to on Sunday or maybe Wednesday. Maybe they transition a little bit more, see God a little more, but that's about it. Or maybe they add, well, you know, God is the one we pray to before we eat dinner. He's part of the ritual of what we do. But understand, Jesus is the Son of God, you guys. He's the Son of God. This What we're reading about here is Jesus is the Son of God. we got to transition our mind into thinking, who Jesus really is, on how He came to this earth, on how He died on the cross, on how He made the way for salvation, on how He wants to be involved in our lives, you guys, on how He wants to be close to us, and He made the way. This is the Son of God we're talking about. we got to transition in our own minds who this person is. Jesus is the Son of God, and He's the Son of God who's part of your life. And if Jesus is the Son of God, then listen to this, you guys. He's more than just, oh, Christmas or Easter, or someone we pray to, or, yeah. But someone who wants to be involved in our lives, someone who, who wants to be intimately there, and He made the way for us. So think about this. If Jesus is the Son of God, it means then Jesus is your Jehovah Jireh. These are, are names of God in the Old Testament in the Hebrew. He is 
Number one, Jehovah Jireh. He's your provider. That's what that means. He's number two. Jesus is Jehovah Rapha. He's your healer. He's the healer in your life, whether physically or even, even emotionally or even spiritually. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's your victory, you guys. He's Jehovah Shalom. Jesus is your peace. I don't know about you, but oh, I've been grabbing onto that more and more, and that's been my prayer. I pray through these things, you know. Because I want to I remind myself of who Jesus, the Son of God, who He means to me, and He is my Jehovah Shalom. And lately, oh, I need that peace with all the craziness going on in this world. He is my Jehovah Shama, ever-present. He's always there. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He is Jehovah Elohim, our Lord God Creator. He is powerful. He can work in your life. And He is Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my Shepherd who watches over us, we just sang, who takes care of us, you guys. This is the Son of God. This is Jesus. And, and, and we need to transition our minds to see Jesus as that, our true help, the one who really gives us true fee- freedom, the one who really works powerfully in our lives. He's the one. He, he's not, Jesus isn't some genie that, oh, well, I'm okay, Lord, until you need help and you rub the lamp and go, Oh, Jesus, I need your help. And he comes help you and then, okay, thanks, put him back in the bottle and you go on and live. No, he wants to be intimately involved in our lives. And I I pray you guys would transition from Jesus just being, oh, this baby or Jesus being this or what we prayed. But Jesus intimately involved in your life and being there for you. Will you transition in that? Joseph and Mary, they're they're like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. They're, They're in a transition here and seeing their boy growing up. We need to grow up. We need to see Jesus for who He really is and have Him grow in our minds and in our hearts. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. My faith rests not in what I am or shall be or feel or know, but in what Christ is, in what He has done, and in what He is now doing for me. So much of the time we're like struggling because we're trying to do it. When Christ is there to do it for you, to be there for you, that's what we got to be. Listen to what this 12-year-old is saying. Jesus is God, meaning He is everything for you. Transition to that today. Transition to see God the Son, Jesus Christ. Transition to see that you can trust Him in everything. Well, we better go on because we are like way over time. (laughs) But we'll go fast. Number three, when Jesus gets older. Last two verses. When Jesus gets older. Verse 51 and verse 52. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor, favor with God and man. So we see, well... Jesus didn't say, well, I'm staying here. Sorry, Mom and Dad. He's, he's still 12. <laughs> he's still a kid. And so he went down from the Temple Mount, and he went back home with them to Nazareth. And notice it says in verse 51, he was submissive to them. He respected and honored his parents. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. 
Jesus did not sin, right? So he continued to respect and honor his parents and be obedient to them. You know why? He's transitioning under the authority of the Father, but the Heavenly Father's word was for him to respect and honor the parents. So he was submissive to them. And so, G- and so his mother treasured, he, she, again, stored this up in her heart and, and thought through them and held them in a special way and who Jesus was and all this that had happened. And then in verse 15, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom. In other words, he, he, he grew. Yeah? He got older and he grew older and he increased in wisdom, his intellect, godly wisdom, in stature, meaning uh, how he grew like, like a, as a boy to a man here in that way. We know uh, Mark 6 that he, he became a carpenter like his father was. And in favor of God, once again, and then it says, and man, in other words, people uh, uh, looked at him like, wow, you know what, this is a, a good guy. They, they looked up to them, him in that way. So what we see here is that Jesus never rebelled in his teenage years. He didn't rebel in junior high years, being 12, not at all. He, he didn't say, you're keeping me from my ministry. Yeah. You're, he didn't say, what, what, I, I want to go out and live in the world. Yeah. I don't want to be under you like that. No, we know he was sinless, Hebrews 7. He submitted to the Heavenly Father's word and submitted to his parents. And he lived the life doing what the Father wanted. All the way up to when he started his ministry when he was around 30 years old. You know, i never seen seen this before, but... In, in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, and we'll get to that later, in the last part, remember when he was getting baptized by John the Baptist and, and the uh, dove came, the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove, and then the heavens opened and a voice came out. The Heavenly Father spoke. You remember what the Heavenly Father said? You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Why is he well pleased? Because Jesus followed the Word. Jesus Follow what his heavenly father wanted him to do, and he respected, honored his parents, and lived that life. So, the last thing we see here, the point is this from a boy to a teenager, growing up into a man, Jesus never stopped moving forward in his life for God. George Bernard Shaw once said, Youth is such a wonderful thing, it's a shame to waste it on the young. I thought that was, I've seen that in movies and stuff too. But Jesus did not waste his youth. He lived it for his heavenly father. And let me tell you, I have done some things in, in my, when I was in my early 20s. For, I, 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 I went out and thought, well, I want to do what I want to do. Well, I want to live like what, what is in the world. I want to do, I don't want to go to church no more. And you know, I look back and I look back at that as wasted years and i can't get that back don't waste your years move forward in in your life with god robert mary mcshane said i am persuaded that nothing is thriving in my soul unless it is growing aw tozer said refuse to be average you guys let's move forward in our life will you do that let's do that and let us then be like jesus this amazing child. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And God, I just pray for us tonight, God. I pray for those who are young adults, 
for those who are young, teenagers, Lord. I pray for all of us who are older. God, I pray that we would not waste our years, but we would not live, God, in the average, but we would move forward. That as Jesus grew and increased, Lord, that we would increase also. And that we would find ourselves following in the footsteps of Jesus and finding you there with us. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight who's been struggling. May they be inspired and moved by your spirit to do the right thing and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all.